Welcome to the Empower and Flow podcast. I am Francesca and I created this podcast for success-driven women who want to become truly empowered, tap into their feminine energy and get in flow so they can accelerate their growth. Get ready to get inspired and learn how to let go of the hassle of control, overwhelm and perfectionism so that you can embrace your natural feminine flow, reach your true potential and achieve your goals with more ease and fulfillment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Empower and Flow podcast. This episode has been a long time coming. I am so excited for you to listen to this interview with a real expert about mental health and social change. I am so, if you have followed me for a while or listened to any of my previous episodes, then you probably already know that. I'm really, really passionate about helping women understand their menstrual cycle just beyond simply their periods, you know? And I am so, I'm so passionate about it because it's real. Like when you do understand your menstrual cycle, you really connect with yourself, you get to understand yourself better, and it has such a beautiful consequence on everything else in your life, in the way that you work, in the way that you live, in your relationships, and a beautiful just ripple effect on your health as well. So it's really, it's really, the, the menstrual cycle is really uh, like a superpower that we have, and that we, we haven't tapped into um, for a long time, because We've never really been taught much about our menstrual cycle beyond, you know, um, contraception, beyond our periods, beyond uh, cramping and what to do when we are in pain. Um, so there's really, I'm really passionate about helping you um, understand the menstrual cycle and at the same time harness the power of your menstrual cycle because your menstrual cycle um, is way more than just what you have learned in school or you've learned during your teenage years. It's way more than just the bleeding, the, the, the seven or so days of bleeding or the cramping, the migraines and all of that. So I'm really excited to bring you this interview because Maria Carmen, my guest on the podcast today, she's a real expert and she is also like she explains things so well and she's so relatable. I am sure you're going to love this. So my guest today is Maria Carmen Punzi. She is a menstrual health researcher and activist and after working in nonprofit organizations and building evidence on the connections between menstrual health and sexual and reproductive health and rights, in 2019 she won a five-year grant for her academic research on menstrual health and social Social change. She is an expert on the connection between menstrual health and gender equality, the connection between menstrual health and sexual and reproductive health, about cyclical living, and her biggest passion is to educate women on how, and people in general, on how the menstrual cycle is a window to people's health and soul, and how the menstrual cycle can give incredible gifts if we really understand it and if we really harness its power. 
I am really excited for you to listen to the interview and the conversation that I had with Maria Carmen because she's really truly an expert and she's also this episode is really going to help you understand why it's important that we understand our menstrual cycle as women and how we can really like the the the, the incredible opportunities that we have once we truly understand what's going on with our menstrual cycle, the incredible opportunities to connect with ourselves, the incredible opportunities that it opens up in terms of energy, in terms of productivity and flow and the connection with other people as well and the connection with nature so it's really we're all about flow and we're all about holistic productivity on the podcast we're all about you know connecting with our true selves and going back to our feminine and I mean the menstrual cycle is truly your your portal to all of this all of the flow the 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 beautiful productivity great energy feeling vibrant feeling feeling vibrant and radiant so i'm gonna stop here and i'm gonna leave you to the interview hi maria carmen how are you welcome to the empower and flow podcast good morning francesca i'm good thank you it's a sunny day in the netherlands finally so i'm feeling happy then yeah, excited for our talk today. <laughs> yes, me too. It's a sunny day in Belgium as well. I mean, we are like two hours away. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, such a such a great conversation that we have for our um, listeners. So thank you so much for accepting to come on the podcast. I was so excited to have you because I already have an episode on the menstrual cycle and how to use it for productivity. But as Maria Carmen is going to tell you in a second, she's really an expert. So like, it's not, um, we're really taking things seriously and like way deeper than um, I did in that episode that is already on the podcast. So can you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us why, like what you do and what inspired you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the kind words. And it goes the same way because I really like like your work and have been following it now for for some time. Um, okay, so yeah, my name is Maria Carmen. I'm Italian originally. I have been living in the Netherlands for the past four years, like I was telling you in our pre-chat. And uh, I am a menstrual health researcher and I've been working uh, on menstrual health for the past three and a half years. Um, I've been working on it from a research perspective. I've worked in uh, non-profit organizations in public health, looking at menstrual health from, more, from a more gender equality perspective. Um, and basically what I do is I really try and um, get data together to show um, whether that's you know co companies, policymakers, but also just individuals that integrating a menstrual health um, lens to our work with women really advances it and you know and it strengthens it because whether that's you know public health services or whether that's you know the way we see productivity or the way we get data on women, if we forget about the menstrual cycle. We are doing a disservice to women. That's basically my, you know, my tagline. Like that's <laughs> that's what I that's what I see. And specifically in my research, I really look at how businesses, so uh, enterprises that market uh, new products around menstruation, 
can change the way in which society perceives menstruation. Because I think many people that experience menstruation know the marketing around pads and tampons is not super sexy. It's not super attractive. It's not super glamorous. Uh, nowadays, everything is glamorous with marketing, but uh, period products uh, until a few years ago, they still were not so cool. <laughs> uh, and there's a whole movement around changing the way we experience menstruation through products. So that's what I'm doing now. And on the side, Let's say, I hope it's not on the side anymore in a few years, but I also have an Instagram profile, which is uh, called Periods with Maria Carmen. And there I really uh, explore more my interest and passion for cyclical living. So that's really kind of applying this menstrual health lens that we were talking about to our individual lives, because we're not all working in, you know, nonprofit organizations, or we're not all working in menstrual products businesses but we most probably all either experience menstruation or have someone in our lives that does yes oh so interesting i could ask you as i told you earlier i could ask you so so many questions we could stay here for hours but i would love for you you said something that is so important i believe like if we don't if you don't consider that we have a menstrual cycle we are doing a disservice to women in the way that we work and i would love for you to dive a little bit deeper on this because i i used to be very skeptical of this myself mm -hmm. um and i was kind of i was thinking yes but i am the same as a man you know like for women mm -hmm. we want to be the same as men and we we i think um this is what i believe this is what i see um we kind of confuse having this having equality in terms of rights mm -hmm. with being the same um physiologically and 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 so because we want to have equality like right equality and all of that we sometimes also want to ignore or push away or suppress some of the things that makes us that make us different and so can you um can you just tell us more about this um the difference like why are we doing why why do we need to highlight actually the fact that we are different yeah absolutely you're completely spot on and you know this is a, a a lively debate because um you know we don't have to forget that we live in a world where now women you know have rights and especially you know in the western world um we often get similar opportunities but it was not so long ago that women couldn't vote you know and that they were considered inferior and they were not able to access certain positions at work so I see the fear and I acknowledge it and partly I share it of acknowledging that we um, go through a hormonal cycle uh, and that we experience changes and differences. Uh, I think it's really important to, to, to validate these feelings uh, from women and from people, you know, that, that fear that menstrual cycle might start to be seen as a weakness. However, however, I don't think that suppressing it or suppressing the idea that menstrual cycles exist and are important will do us any help anyway, you know, because, you know, the world, especially the, 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 the job world, um, the working day uh, is structured and has been, uh, you know, thought of via the lens of men and, and their hormonal cycles and their, uh, you know, productivity um, shifts. And therefore, what happens is that women 
get into these workspaces, they, they get and work and, and, and find a way in their team, and then something goes wrong because their own energetic shifts and energetic changes and emotional needs and physical needs are not accommodated in the workplace because the nine to five week, it just doesn't make sense for a cyclical being um, because we go right over a 25 to 30 days um, cycle and not through a daily cycle like men do. So I think it's just important to recognize that the feeling of uneasiness, you know, and the feeling of I don't fit here or I'm not doing this right enough or I have to do more, all the perfectionism that haunts women, I think partly is fed by the fact that we are in a system that is not made for us. And then so the next step for me is not like saying, oh, let's, you know, take down the patriarchy and, and, and just live cyclically because, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I want to be practical. I think the, the key is, okay, how can I do the 1% in my life and how can I allow and help people around me to be supported to accommodate menstrual cycle changes in their workplace, in their family, uh, in their, I don't know, educational uh, journey. So I completely understand that it's hard for us to let go of the idea of like, oh, we are actually different from men. But, you know, who said that men are better? You know, who said that 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 way of linear productivity and linear workflow works best? I mean, we see so much burnout. We see so much depression. <laughs> I wish you could see Francesca because she's, she's like praising. <laughs> yes, as amen. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think this is you know this is it for me, and I I really want to stress here that I just I don't really believe in extremism. I think you know um, mediation and harmony for me they're really values. Um, and I, I really see menstrual cycle awareness playing such a big role in also bridging um, men and women together. So I don't, I don't see menstrual cycle awareness as a tool to exclude men or to disempower men to empower women. Absolutely not. I just see it as really this kind of key because we see all these funny memes, right, of, about men not understanding women and not, not understanding what they want. Well, I see this as the key to, you know, to bridge this, this gap. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, because you're saying that I would love, first of all, to ask you, um, do you, would you agree that, because I would love to have your opinion on this. Do you agree that we, as women, we kind of need to get better at communicating what we need? Or do you really think there is like, really, we are, we are not understood? That's a good, that's a very good question. Um, I, I would like to put a spin on it. Mm -hmm. I think we are not misunderstood only by others. I think we're mostly misunderstood by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the first thing that goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because if we don't know what's going on, if we don't know physically and emotionally what's happening, you know, how are we able to communicate? communicate it because we don't we may think we know so i experience frustration so i let it out and i say well don't talk to me because i'm frustrated or, or or cuddle me because i'm sad i don't know but actually there's a deeper language that your body is speaking to you and that's why 
this is called body literacy, right? So mm -hmm. understanding, knowing the language of your body, and it's really tied to menstrual cycle awareness. Um, what's, what is your body experiencing hormonally, physically, emotionally, spiritually? Because I would like to highlight, you know, the menstrual cycle, it's not just hormonal chemical happenings. It's, you know, it's a holistic thing that happens. It's, it's not explicable 100%, like all your other human, you know, processes. So we need to, we don't need to. If we want to, we can start tuning in um, this language and this conversation with our body and ourselves. And then when we have understood that, we can decide how and if we want to communicate it. And I want to highlight that that's a choice because somewhat the risk I see in menstrual cycle awareness becoming mainstream, which I am so excited about, is that we might push it also to people that are not ready for it and that are not willing to share. Because, you know, it's something very vulnerable to share with someone, whether that's something whether that's a partner, a friend, a family member, or even a colleague, you're sharing a very deep, private part of yourself. And you may share it in a very positive way because you may say like, you know, I, I am honoring my boundaries, you know, I'm bleeding, so I'm not going to take an extra meeting if I don't need to, for example. Mm -hmm. But that's something very, you know, that's something very private. So we need to make sure that there's a choice there and then it doesn't become a dictatorship of the cycle. I always say it is like, we're not aiming for the dictatorship of hormones. That's not, that's not it. It's about giving people chances to choose. Because I think right now we haven't chosen to feel this way about periods. We just have been told like, okay, this is something we don't talk about and it's not valuable. Um, and therefore to finish the answer to your question, I think we misunderstand each other we misunderstand ourselves and therefore we don't know how to communicate. When we do understand ourselves, we can decide whether and how to communicate about it. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love your spin on the question. <laughs> Thank you. And then you mentioned earlier that we can do like, of course, like I love that you have a more balanced approach because I, I totally agree with you. We don't need to, you know, um, we don't need to completely, delete what's been done before and like what's been the nine to five and our line of work right now um but it needs to change and so how do you think what do you think women can do um listening to this podcast you know what can we do in our day-to-day -day life to make some changes here and there some tweaks here and there to so that we honor ourselves and our bodies a little bit more for those that want to start doing this and they're open to this and ready Absolutely. Yeah, so I think the first step is, um, is kind of listening and tracking. Um, so it's true that the four hormonal phases um, that you talked about in the other podcast as well, uh, so the menstrual phase, the pre-ovulatory phase, the ovulatory phase, and the pre-menstrual phase, they have quite some distinct characteristics to them. And the energy typically goes, menstruation is very low, it kind of rises for like pre-ovulatory, ovulatory, it's at its peak, you feel like a superwoman and then it starts decreasing with the premenstrual phase and it's very simplified. But, you know, but there's a unique experience of the menstrual cycle for each. So my first tip is don't just 
take an article and then try to apply it to your life, you know, don't take a blog post, don't even take my words and, and take them as, you know, uh, as saint water. It's, um, you know, I, I just think it's important that you figure out what does menstrual face mean, feel, uh, and, and, and how, how is your experience of it? And what do you need to feel good in it? So that's the first thing, like listen and track maybe for a month, maybe for a couple of months, and just figure out your strengths and weaknesses in this in these phases. The second thing is kind of letting go of the idea that you're only doing your job every day if you're doing a certain amount of hours every day the same. I mean, I am even surprised at myself. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I've done my eight hours, it's done. Maybe I could do more, but I just am like, yeah, well, it's been eight hours. And then the day in which I don't feel like working more than five, I'm like, panicking because I'm like oh I'm being unproductive but if I had listened to my body and my energy levels and when I felt better for example in the ovulatory phase I would have done that 10% more I could have allowed myself to during menstruation do doing you know 20% less so kind of letting go of this idea is the second step um, the third step is looking at your tasks energetically so we often look at the tasks content-wise, right? So I don't know. I have to record a podcast. I have to write a blog post. I have to write a paper or I have to have a meeting with my supervisor. Now I'm thinking of my workday. Um, but this is content. This is descriptive, right? But what kind of skills are required for these tasks? Are they administrative tasks? Are they very social uh, tasks? Are they thinking intensive tasks and there and that's where i think you can start placing them in the phase where you feel more either outgoing or very focused or very reflective so just as an example right so in your menstrual phase you're usually low in energy but you're quite reflective i realize that i don't even want to listen to music during my menstrual phase i'm really like in my cave <laughs> um, and i'm getting out of it today so that that's very lucky <laughs> um, so for example like deep kind of revision work is is quite good um, in this phase revision as in like maybe thinking about your career reflecting this is a reflection phase the follicular phase, which comes right after, is this kind of spring phase, right? So you come out of the cave, you're feeling good again, you start stretching. So this is kind of the planning phase, right? So how can I get uh, myself to planning, thinking of new ideas, projects, um, and kind of let your inner child play free? Um, and to give you an example, like for me, this phase is quite an anxiety-prone phase. Um, if I don't feel very grounded in this phase. So what I do is I know that this is not the phase for me to have a calendar full of external demands. Like, great, let your ideas flow, new projects, or you know uh, how to move forward on certain stuff, but don't overdo it because if I do, then I feel very ungrounded and very anxious. In the ovulatory phase, personally, I feel super energetic. I really like people again, and you know, I want to network or do other things. And that's also a phase in which you can be of service for others more easily because you have that extra 10% energy. And then the premenstrual phase, which often gets the worst reputation, right? Like PMS, you feel bloated. Um, I get quite critical. I think I'm not the only one, um, although I'm working on it. But I have to say, I found out that I am my most activist self 
in this space. <laughs> so I get on, on Instagram, I'm doing like the, I don't know, stories against, I don't know what. <laughs> I'm, I'm advocating for new bills. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking no BS. Um, so if I have to do some fiery work, some passionate work, this is a good place. So mm, That's interesting. So I'm like you um, in terms of feeling anxious. Um, in my, I th you said follicular, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same. And also not grounded enough. Cause I have like, I tend to have, like, I have an overactive mind. So it's like, <laughs> I, I think a million miles an hour. So that phase for me is really hard. Um, but yeah, really interesting. And I love that you also, um, I love your tips. Um, and I think, yeah, they're very easy to put in practice just as a way to start out for women who want to start out with this. Um, and now if you're ready, I have a few questions that I collected from the community because I asked, like I, I told people you were going to come on the podcast. And so they sent me a few questions I hope we'll have time for. But so this question, the first question is um, really linked to what we were talking about. And it's what is the best way to track your cycle? Yeah, so I, I, I like this question. This is one of the questions I get, you know, most often which uh, is surprising, but also very nice, because I think people then really start thinking like, maybe I can do this. Um, so this depends a bit. I think it, it kind of goes a bit with personal preference. Um, I find that um, the most two common ways are pen and paper. So that's kind of having your agenda or your you know, physical calendar uh, or apps. Now, uh, I do want to make a disclaimer about apps in the sense that uh, I think it's very important to know which app you're putting your data in. Some menstrual cycle apps have been called out for um, selling data uh, to marketing agencies, um, which is not great, right? Because this, sometimes these are also very personal, physical and body data that you're putting in. Um, and it's, you know, you just want to make sure you, you know where you're, where you're putting your data in. I use Clue and, and they, you know, are very open about what they do with the data, but there's also some other good ones and they're listed, um, you know, online. There's some good sources and maybe I can share them with, so you can share them forward. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, but what I mostly encourage you to do um, as a listener, let's say, um, is really to figure out what comes the most natural to you. Like, are you an app person? Are you a calendar person? Are you a notes person? Because I think you need to make the barrier between you and tracking the shortest, you know? It's like, what, what comes natural and where can it become something um, really in your daily routine? Maybe before going to bed, if you're reading in bed, to have your calendar next to it and write down maybe one word of the day to describe, okay, how did I feel? How did I feel physically? How did I feel energetically? Um, and for me, tracking, maybe I should specify that. It's not just tracking, okay, this is when my cycle starts and this is how long it lasts, the bleeding. But really, I just try to track down how I feel emotionally, how I feel energetically, how I feel physically, whether something happened. Um, because, you know, your cycle is not, it's not living in another universe. Whatever happens to you as a person will affect your cycle. So that's important to keep track of. Absolutely. And I love tracking different aspects of it. I talked about different categories that I um, normally um, track. 
And I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty old school. I have an Excel sheet um, because I love, I love to then analyze data because I turn the little, like I, I can turn the page, let's say, and I have a graphic and I can see. Oh my <laughs> so God. I'm really amazing. Yes, I'm really um, and I give this to my clients and then they're like, oh, this is so much information that like, I, I, get my, I get to know myself so much better that way. Um, but yeah, so I love, like I, I have tried a clue and I have to say I really like it. And in the very beginning though, um, to make the, let's say to make it easier to get into tracking, I was using the iPhone health app. That was really easy. It was already on my phone. Yeah. Um, super easy yeah really interesting i love tracking um and then because you said like there are many factors um the next question was can stress change your period and can it decrease to fewer days and significantly lower the amount of blood you lose yeah absolutely so the, the answer is absolutely yes um and i can give a short and answer of why that happens so yeah. actually we really are focused on menstruation a lot for the bleeding days but the most important event the star of the menstrual cycle is actually ovulation so it's ovulation that determines whether a your period will be late um, and it may not even happen ovulation so a stressor like if you if you experience a stressful event in your life a traumatic event that will absolutely uh, affect your menstrual cycle and while I'm not a medical doctor I am I've learned a little bit how to talk about it in the sense that basically your menstrual cycle is a, you know a primal process still so it's like it's your you know body and your personality from like 2000 years ago that's still in there and it still acts like it was living in the you know in the primitive uh, era so if something happens your body if something traumatic or very stressful happens, your body goes into kind of conservation mode. It's like, this is not a good time to get pregnant. So let's shut the reproductive functions of your body because you're not going to be able to feed a baby right now or to grow a baby in your womb right now. It's not safe for you or for the baby. And again, I'm explaining it really, uh, you know, um, easily, but um, your body knows. Your body knows that if you're in a situation of stress, you're not going to be able to handle pregnancy because it's also a very, you know, heavy um, kind of process on your on your energy and on your uh, nourishment. So this happens when, again, when when something stressful happens. But that, you know, it cannot. It doesn't always have to be just a traumatic event. Not eating enough. Is, is enough for your body to shut down the reproductive functions because it's like, oh, wow, we are in starvation mode. Probably there's a famine going on. Again, brain from 2000 years ago. Uh, let's just shut it out. Also because the reproductive uh, function consume a lot of energy. When you lose blood, you know, you need more nourishment, more warmth. Um, so you always have to think that ovulation is like the moment in which you're potentially fertile and your body thinks you're going to get pregnant. Although, you know, 99% of the times you don't. Um, but so you want to, if, if you're healthy, ovulation will happen. And if it doesn't, it's because something is happening. So if the question also includes the amount of, of blood loss, right? So yeah. if the blood loss is significant, is significant, 
significantly lower. Uh, it may be because you actually had an anovulatory cycle. So what it means is that you may see some spotting, but you actually didn't ovulate. And that is associated with having very stressful periods of your life. So that's why I love the menstrual cycle also because from a health perspective, it's really a window to your mental and physical health. Um, and it's really like, it's like flashing lights. If something happens, you will notice, you will notice in your cycle. So if you have seen uh, a significant change from one month to the other and you've experienced something very stressful, it's really your body asking for some care and for some slowing down and grounding. Yes. And so how can we make sure, because sometimes the stress, um, I mean, our body perceives stress as like this threat or like starvation, famine, where maybe for us, we internalize a lot of it. And so we don't mm -hmm. even realize that stress has reached a point where it becomes really unbearable for our body. And so it becomes really unhealthy. So how do we make sure that we, what do you recommend? for lowering stress and making sure that this doesn't happen, you know, that we have a regular cycle and that everything functions optimally and all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very holistic process, right? So um, I think there are two main things that I personally have seen have worked quite well for myself. The first thing is being regular in your life. So kind of following the circadian rhythm. So the circadian rhythm is the rhythm kind of um, that, that, that follows the, the daylight, uh, you know, changes and, the, and how the day follows for all of us, all humans, also men. Um, so kind of waking up at the same time every morning, going to bed more or less at the same time, having regular meals, uh, exercising, possibly in the morning and according to your energy levels, getting out getting sun uh, on your skin. And this sounds so basic, but I think like at least 50% of us don't do this on a regular basis. So I, that's, that's one of the other reasons why, you know, menstrual cycle awareness has so many gifts. Uh, and I know I sound like such a fangirl of the menstrual cycle, but I am. I am. <laughs> we are, we are. We're in the fun club. <laughs> we are in the fun club. Because it, it made me realize that nature knows best. Mm -hmm. Nature really knows best and, and, and your body is also nature. And therefore, every time that we suppress these rhythms that are not linear, but they're cyclical. So the sun goes down, your menstrual cycle also has a period of birth, you know, growth and death. If you follow those, you allow your body to really rest and let go and renourish and then rise again. So for me, I think stress, because we are in a society, you know, the notifications on your phone, those count as stress for your brain. The, the bell, the alarms, you know, the, the, the sounds from the street, the fact that we have blue light in our phone until uh, 11 p.m. until the moment we go to sleep. There are a lot of changes that can be done. And I think, you know, I'm, I know you also share a lot of these tips and I don't want to overwhelm the people listening, but I just think that, um, really getting into this idea that a simpler, more circular life is more sustainable for the planet and for yourself, it's kind of just basic. It's amazing, right, to think actually we can be more sustainable as a human species if we don't keep on going linearly. Like, it's, it's just amazing. 
I love how you link this to the environment because I think it's totally true. And I think I, I see, I was talking to a client who's very, and a past client of mine who's very into all like the environment and, and protecting the environment and all of that. And we were just saying how um, beautiful it is by the way, this is like a little tangent that I'm going to get out of, but I, I, I just think this is so important because you like, just to see the bigger picture of things, I think as a generation, we are more and more moving into sustainability in any, any area. So like your mentor cycle and how we live our everyday life. And then the, the, our waste, you know, like uh, food, um, how we travel and how we move, you know, all of that and the environment. And then it, it, it's all like inside the bigger picture of sustainability, which we're moving towards to, which I'm very glad by the way. Um, so yeah, cyclical living. I love that. I totally, totally love that. And I totally um, agree with what you're saying. I also saw a huge difference. Um, what I like, I love details. What is something that you personally do to, to, to keep your stress low? Yeah. I I mean I I I've been working on this for a long time and I still have so much work to do. So I I definitely don't come from a perfect place. Um I think one of the most important things has been prioritizing my mornings and my evenings. Um so I I'm an early bird. I like waking up early and uh now that we're working from home, uh you know, we're not going to the office. So there's kind of this hour buffer uh, that I didn't really know what to do with. Um and so I wake up mostly at the same time and then I have my breakfast and then I um move for 15 minutes. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a super big gym fan. Uh, I, I've been doing yoga for a long time, but I also felt the need to do a little bit more, uh, find a feminine workout. Uh, and so I've been doing some dances on YouTube and some movement practices. And it's been so nice to be consistent with it. So 15 minutes every morning, if I can, of course, but mostly that's the rule um and then after that I, I get ready and while i get ready i listen to one uh of the courses i'm following because that's also mm -hmm. one of the you know ways in which i actually keep my stress a level low is that i focus on self-development in the sense that i invest in courses and content and mentors that really are inspiring for me inspiration is one of my values actually it's it's something that i it really nourishes me and therefore I, I you know it makes me excited and it keeps the stress level down so that's something for the morning and then in the evening i really try to um read i read every night uh, and that's just fiction not self-development stuff that gets in my head in the evening um but I also make sure that I uh, write down everything that's on my mind so I can, you know, just go to sleep um, with a clear head. Uh, and something I've been doing for four years, actually, every single day is that I write the three things I'm grateful for in the day. Um, and it's something that has pretty much changed my life. I know it's very dramatic to say, but I have these four notebooks for four years of memories and reflections. And that's something that, I honestly can say like it just helps you go to bed with a full heart. Um, so that's, I, I would say it's really, those are the specific things that come to mind right now for the stress level. But in the end, it's just about finding your way to, to ground and 
for example, now I'm starting to work on my breathing, um, breathing work, breath work, and I know you, you've also shared some tips on your profile. And that's something that I'm not very uh, familiar with. Um, but I realize that sometimes I have kind of short breath or I don't mm. really, I, I, I take this big breath all of a sudden, like I was in apnea for a long time. Um, so that's something that I uh, am working on because I think it will help me also calm down if I'm feeling anxious. Absolutely. Yes. You will love breath work. And by the way, I love your routine so, so much. Um, so simple and so effective. I think like keeping things simple and, and consistent. I think this is really the secret sauce in the end. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing. I love videos. <laughs> and then the next question that I, that we have for you is, um, how to help your cycle be regular for those women who have, um, PCOS? Yeah. So again, uh, like I said before, not being a medical doctor, I cannot give medical advice, but, um, so what, what, what PCOS stands for, right? It's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's actually a very, very, very common and often, often misdiagnosed a condition, unfortunately. Um, but let's say that um, one of the um, main predictor or one of the main signs of PCOS is very regular cycles because there's a difficulty with ovulation, and right? So, I mean, I kind of going back to the stress management, I think that's one of the biggest things to tackle um, is to really start looking into um, reputable sources on what you need uh, to support your body from a nutrition perspective. So we haven't talked about food yet, um, but I'm a big foodie and I have been diving into the connection between nutrition and your hormones. And actually it's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, it's just like once you get into it and once you get to practice it, it's just insane. So um, I would really encourage um, to focus on, on, on three main things. So the first is this kind of um, cyclical, cyclical um, nature living just because it's a lot, it decreases the stress a lot. It kind of like, instead of going at the pace of the city, you go at the pace of nature uh, mm -hmm. and that will automatically lower your stress in the long, in the long term, of course. The second one is diving into nutrition. So I know that some people with PCOS experience um, difficulty, for example, with losing weight, um, and then kind of, then they go for very extreme diets, but actually that makes their hormonal situation worse. So make sure to buy, for example, a cookbook or a, or a book on PCOS from a, you know, a licensed nutritionist or a licensed you know, medical doctor. Uh, I, while I love Instagram, I don't think that the overload of information that is in there helps anybody. Mm. Actually, if anything, because there's so much coming at you, PCOS here, PCOS there, go dairy-free, go gluten-free, do this, do that, exercise every day, don't exercise every day. I think it's just that <laughs> increases your stress uh, and it makes your situation worse. So I am a big advocate for, you know, choose one mentor, choose two people to follow, make sure their credentials are, you know, um, safe, you know, that they, they are people who have studied this and just follow them. And then for three months, do that. And don't overpack yourself with things to do. 
I mean, I, I'm guilty of that myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy 500 courses. I'm going to do all of this. It doesn't work. Because even if you're improving, you don't know what's improving. Yeah. You don't know why. Mm. Um, so that's the, that's the second thing. And the third thing is uh, also really connected to the cycle syncing. So cycle syncing is the idea that um, you sync all your activities, your food, your workouts to the phase of your cycle. And this is not just to be hippy-dippy and be in tune with nature and with your cycle, but this is actually um, connected to the fact that your hormones change, change your brain and change your, your physical energy, right? So for example, after ovulation, so in the second part of your cycle, if you train too hard, um, your fat storage uh, in your body gets kind of alarmed uh, and you start, you know, burning, uh, you know, or, or putting on fat instead of getting leaner because your body is being threatened. It's like, there's so much going on. There's so much impact from the workout. Uh, and that's like, it's feeling it as a threat. So actually, even if you do want to lose weight, even if you do want to get toned, being aware of which phase of your cycle you're in, it's quite important because that may affect your final results. So these are kind of the three, three things. And, and, and nutrition, like eating and just eating enough calories and enough good healthy fats does wonders for, uh, take, you know, for periods to happen because often we're just not consuming enough calories for our period. Yes, I think especially as women, um, what I've seen, like especially this year, I've seen, I've been seeing so many women going extreme, going to extremes with exercise and nutrition because they have more time. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is apart from like injuries, but it's really a matter of, you know, also like it's not okay to go to extremes just because you have more time. Um, I, yeah, so I've seen a lot of that. And actually, even whether you have, I think, whether it's for women who have um, PCOS or, or not, I think this is very, very important anyway. Um, do you, would you mind going a little bit into the foods? Um, because you mentioned it and really, very really curious. Because I saw, I think I saw you posted um, on your story that you were eating something and it was specific to the phase of your cycle. Yeah, it was it was Raymond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean Raymond. Um, yeah, so I've I've been diving deep into this, and again with some of my selected mentors, mm. <laughs> because this year, you know, from September, I was really like, I just want to invest on being coached uh, or being supported by a few people that mm. I know they know what they're doing. So I've worked with uh, with Jill Palmer, and I have an Instagram live saved on my profile on syncing your food with your cycle. Um, and then one of my other mentors is Claire, Clara Bailey, and she's an Australian naturopath, and she's amazing. I, I really recommend her to everyone. She's so full of wisdom, and she's been working with women uh, for a very, very long time. And so I've learned a little bit about the basics of foods um, during your cycle. So I can quickly summarize. Yes. So in the menstrual phase, basically the word, the key word is warmth. So um, think of anything like soups and stews and um, really warming foods. Um, and even when it comes to water, the water you drink shouldn't be too cold. So anything that like, inf like herbal infusions, a little bit of tea, great. Um, the recommended, um, let's say, uh, advice here is to not go crazy on sugars sugar also of course include alcohol because it may affect 
cramping. So it may actually make your menstruation more painful. Uh, so, I mean, high, high processed sugar is not good at any time, but let's say in this phase, it's particularly not great. And then um, it's also a really great time to eat beans and lentils. Um, and then really the star um, greens or the star vegetables of this phase are really the dark leafy greens. So like spinach and arugula and uh, bok choy, Brussels sprouts. These are all the, cru the cruciferous veggies and the dark leafy greens. They are kind of the best um, the best to eat. In, generally, throughout the whole menstrual cycle, because they're amazing, they're full of zinc and magnesium. Um, the follicular phase is uh, the phase in which you can start eating a bit more uh, raw. So your, your um, let's say your metabolism is more able um, to kind of process more raw veggies um, up to, yeah, like big salad, a big fresher kind of um, foods. Um, then you go to the ovulatory phase and then that kind of lean protein, that's a great time. And you might notice that you actually are less hungry in this phase. Uh, so healthy fats are always a great idea. So olives, um, walnuts or almonds, avocados, olive oil. That's always neat. That's always something that you want to consume. Uh, in the ovulatory phase, you want to um, have like enough protein and make sure you have all the right components in your plate because you might be feeling less hungry but it's still important to bring all these nutrients and again fruits and vegetables are the queens of the plate at any phase in your cycle i know this is something that it's like what your grandmother would say but that's <laughs> i've learned that that's actually just true and that's it <laughs> yeah some things um, are always true and they're just the best true. advice yeah they <laughs> are they absolutely are and then finally, in your luteal phase, so after your, uh, sorry, your ovulation, you will find that you're more hungry. And what happens is your metabolism is faster at this point. So actually, that's why you're hungry. It's just that you're consuming your calories faster. And this is a great time to consume things like good carbs, like sweet potatoes and like, I don't know, gluten-free or even uh, whole wheat bread because you will be hungrier. But make sure that you're eating uh, those um, kind of carbs that then become sugar in the end with healthy fats. So maybe whether that's, you know, some bread with some almond butter or some eggs with next to it, some berries and some, you know, almonds. Um, I mean, this, there, there's a lot of information also on food and the cycle. I mean, Alisa Vitti is the one writer and researcher actually who, um, first started to talk about syncing your food with your cycle uh, and there's quite some information also for free online but what i also want to say here a bit like i said before in the end it's also about learning to listen to your body um, and i i know it's not mind-blowing but for me i realized i never have to starve like if i'm starving between two meals there's something wrong i'm either not eating enough at the meals or i should be snacking uh, because also that's about that's going to influence your blood sugar level, which has an impact, for example, for people with PCOS and in general for people with menstrual cycles, because we want to keep our blood sugar level uh, stable. Yes. Oh, I love these tips. And I will definitely ask you to send me um, the names of the people that you've mentioned, because I wasn't able to write them all. Because um, first of all, I'm curious, I want to check them out. And, and then also for people who have PCOS and who, who have like maybe particularly irregular periods, they can 
they can go there and they can already know like which people are trustworthy and you know they have they know where to go and look for information um okay so last question because this episode can as i said go on for hours um how can we plan our month for work around our cycle um because we have like keeping in mind that we have different energy levels during different phases yeah so i mean i think it's it's a really great idea to um, at the first day of your of your period to start you know kind of looking at your calendar ahead uh, and what's coming for in the next few weeks um and you know there's some unless you're completely an entrepreneur and working only for yourself there might be some meetings and some things that you have to do and they are not in your control so the rule of thumb here is always like what can i do what one percent can i do to make this space more comfortable for myself. So as I was saying before, I think menstruation is really the, a great moment to revise, reflect, have some kind of inner um, deep work, not in terms of like a lot of hours of work, but kind of like reflection. I, I, I find myself to really kind of be um, critical, but not critical that I want to, you know, tear the whole thing down but like I, I just start thinking like oh maybe this could be this way or maybe it could be that way so whether that's some decision maybe that you have to make uh, some the creators of Red School who are some pretty important people in the menstrual cycle awareness community say bleed on it instead of uh, <laughs> sleep on it uh, which is great right because if you have to make a big decision your menstrual inner wisdom self will know <laughs> and that's a bit hippie I love it. but I quite like it I have to say for licking our face, if you are feeling stuck creatively, I think this is quite a nice face to let your inner child kind of come up with ideas. Like, I don't know, I want to start a podcast or I want to start a local community of people who are like-minded or I want to start drawing and just kind of let this creative flow in non-judgmental ways. Because sometimes we don't realize it, but we are judging ourselves. Uh, in the way we show up in work and in creativity so kind of this part is really even in at work like let yourself kind of experiment and and think like okay what what would be cool to do what would be funny or funky to do um the ovulatory phase i mean if you have to ask for a raise <laughs> this is definitely the best the best time the ovulatory phase is when you feel most self-confident probably most energetic so this is the phase to either do the, you know, heavy work uh, on, you know, if you have to do longer hours, for example, for a project, uh, or if you need to connect, do some social networking. Um, and then finally, for your luteal phase, this is kind of the more critical editing phase, uh, but also the deep administrative focus. So if there's, an, if there's an error in what you're looking at, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna show up in your luteal phase, you're gonna notice. Um, so I guess this is practically is what I, how I would divide it. Okay, I love it. I love it so much. Thank you for the examples. Are going to be really really helpful and um yeah so these were all the questions is there anything else you would like to tell um the women listening yeah i mean i i hope this is the start of the conversation right and and there's there's a world you will see there's a world that will open in your in front of your eyes i think you know i want to kind of reiterate what i was saying at the beginning this is a practice that is very personal. So don't judge yourself if it doesn't feel right. 
don't start you know bashing yourself if you feel low energy during ovulation don't start questioning yourself if you feel high energy during menstruation like you know no one knows your body better than you no expert will tell you will be able to tell you how you feel you know so just trust that kind of inner wisdom and try to work around it if you feel like it for myself Honestly, it's been a great teacher. I always say like my menstrual cycle is my biggest teacher. Mm. Um, sometimes we, we look for guidance outside, but it's a great way to reconnect and to figure out whether there's something that needs some more attention in your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I am sure, I am sure this blue a lot of people's minds <laughs> um, because there's so much. I think I agree. It's a whole universe that we have not tapped in yet um so there's so much to discover about yourself and of course as a consequence everything else right but it all starts within us not outside um so i totally love it and i have one last question that i always ask my listeners and that is what are your non-negotiables for flow to stay in flow to get in flow and stay in flow um respect my um inner instinct because it knows better <laughs> oh i love this and so in tune with the with the episode and what what you do um just so you <laughs> yeah, yeah i love it yes all right thank you so much and where can people find you um connect with you learn more about you what you do yeah absolutely so the best place to find me is on instagram uh, and i'm on period with maria carmen uh and then francisca will link it i'm sure yes. um and then for anybody who's kind of interested about the work feel free to connect with me on linkedin so i'm maria carmen punzi and um yeah i think these are the best places i'm always super happy to connect and to hear new perspectives um so i'm very excited to uh, to have some conversations yes let's go go connect with her because she's like really like she's so she has such a good energy you can see her like right now you're on zoom you can see her but like she's really like i can tell i love that about you like i can tell you are so passionate about this and then just so genuinely passionate about this and like it's you like it's you embody this work so i love it so much thanks that's super sweet <laughs> thank you so thank you so much everyone for listening yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, I had a very, very good time talking about this with Maria Carmen. I, I really believe there's so much to learn and develop and expand on when it comes to our menstrual cycle. It's something that we, that it, that evolves with us. It's something that, yes, we get started with, you know, tracking and with, with really under understanding what's going on but then it's it, it's always evolving because it's something that's alive it's something that evolves and grows with us and I think this it's such a beautiful thing and um, yeah so I just hope that you were able to so I hope that this motivated you to really take this menstrual cycle stuff <laughs> seriously and to really I hope that this inspired you to do your 1% like Maria Carmen was talking about because it is so important and I promise you it's life changing when you do this. 
So if you feel called to dive deeper into your menstrual cycle, to understand the different phases, to understand yourself better and connect with yourself more deeply, then I really, really invite you to join me inside the Flow Collective. It's my program where I teach women how to harness the power of their menstrual cycle to be more in flow and to be more vibrant, to have that natural energy from within and to also, of course, be productive in a way that makes you feel good in a way that in a way that that where you can respect yourself instead of running into burnout so if you feel called then make sure you go to the link in the show notes and you go to the page where the flow the flow collective page basically where you can find all the information and I would love 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 for you to join we are starting again in um, in December. So I have a group of women starting in December. We're going to start all together. It's a beautiful community of women on the same journey together to go from burnout to flow. And yes, the menstrual cycle is a big, big part of this work and it's so important so again if you feel called i really invite you to join me inside the flow collective i cannot cannot wait to guide you mentor you support you um yeah <laughs> so excited so all right so this is all for this episode and i thank you so much for listening let us know your takeaways from this episode and what resonated with you, what didn't resonate with you. And make sure that you connect with Maria Carmen. I, You will find all the links in the show notes. And um, that's it for this episode. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Empower and Flow podcast. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave your rating and review. This would help us reach more women and change the way we live and work to experience more growth, flow, and fulfillment. See you in the next episode. Big hug, Francesca.